Hello. Hi. Hey. Um, okay, everyone. My name is Alexa, and you are listening to Peace with Peace podcast, an interview series that provides a safe space for others to share their self-love and acceptance journeys. Um, this series is dedicated to awareness of eating disorders. So I made this like its own National Eating Disorder Awareness Month for Peace with Peace. Um, trigger warning, we may get into some stuff, and you may need to take a break, Um and I'm here with Amanda. So, Amanda, if you need to take a break, that's okay, too. Sounds good. All right. Awesome. So, Amanda, um, before we get started, just a quick release. Do you understand that this recording may travel throughout the world? Um, and anything you say or reference or anything like that, um, I'm the owner of the content. Yes. Sweet. Okay. Well, let the people know who you are. Hi, everybody. My name's Amanda Collins. I'm 33 years old. Um, I've been married to my husband, Rob, for almost six years, and I have a stepdaughter who is 10 and a biological daughter who is four. And they're so beautiful. Thank you. You are so very welcome. Um, Okay, without further ado, let's get into these questions. Okay. Um, So tell me a little bit about the disorder you struggled with and when it started and just like a little bit of background on that. Okay. So when I was in middle school or when my eating disorder behaviors started, um, but my thoughts about my body started a lot sooner than that. Um, In elementary school, there were um, some girls who were very, they bullied me. They were mean to me. Um, I went to a Catholic school and I never really felt like I was ever accepted by those Mm. girls. And they, they would say very mean things to me, things that like, I can still remember them saying. Um, There's one that sticks out in my mind all the time that they never really talked to me a lot. And we were sitting at the lunch table and one of the girls had asked me when my birthday was. And so I told her, I was like, Oh, it's April 21st. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was like, okay, well, I just needed to, um, I just wanted to know because I'm going to get you something for your birthday. Mm -hmm. And you know, as a little kid, you're like, Oh my gosh, awesome. Like for my birthday. Right. You're excited. And she was like a treadmill because (gasps) you're fat. And I was probably in like, third grade fourth grade wow and I don't know if I had like an understanding at that point maybe what was fat and what was skinny I don't remember Mm -hmm. um like how my brain processed that at the time but I do remember that that felt terrible and it just kind of continued. Um, the bullying continued, whether it was about my weight or about what I was um, like wearing or whatever. And um, so I became very insecure. And my parents had talked about switching us to a public school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, like, please switch me to yeah. public school. <laughs> I, I, I can't get, I can't wait to get out of here. Like, please get me out. So I made the switch to public school and 
I did feel more connected to some people there, but there mm-hmm. were still, of course, bullies, you know, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, I think sometimes bullies is a part of life, um, not something that I'm condoning by any mm-hmm. means, but I think that it happens, right? Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I was only in, um, in my elementary school, public school for about a year, um, and then I went to middle school, which was seventh and eighth grade, mm-hmm. and there was a lot more emphasis on, again, what you were wearing, what your hair looked like, um, and your weight. And so very frequently I was again, bullied for what I looked like for my weight for, I feel like anything. Um, and in seventh grade, maybe towards the end, um, there was even a girl that tried to um, she said she wanted to like fight me. Right. Oh, and so gosh. she pushed me into a locker and like threatened me. And I think that at that point I had just kind of like had enough of the bullying. And I got to this, into this headspace of like, I wanted to have some control over what was happening in my life. And so I also think that I thought if I was skinnier, maybe they'll like me. Mm-hmm. So I stopped eating. And I feel like it was a fairly abrupt change in life. Um, I would just kind of slowly start eating um, less and less. And then all of a sudden, I just like wasn't eating hardly anything until someone would call attention to it and say, hey, like, did you eat breakfast or did you eat lunch? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I grabbed a granola bar and like pick up my granola bar and take a bite. And then when nobody was looking, I would throw the granola bar away. Uh, yeah I would say so I will say I've never been to my knowledge I've never been officially diagnosed um but I definitely suffered from anorexia and I would also say I had a struggle with like body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. where when I would look in the mirror all I would see was like you know fat and that was Mm -hmm. definitely not the case yeah you just said so many things. I'm like, yep, I want to talk about that and that and that <laughs> part of your story. Um, and thanks so much for sharing. And I feel like no one has really, they mention what people say, but no one's really talked about like bullied, bullying mm-hmm. lately. Um, and I feel like people can relate to that because like you said, I, I also agree that it's like a part of life and that sucks. It shouldn't be. Right, like it's so sucky that we all experience that because the feelings, the hurt, like the pain that the not acceptance that we feel from that, especially as kids, right? Because you want to have friends and you're young, so you don't really know better, so you just feel that pain and hurt, and you remember that feeling, that unacceptance, it, it sucks. Um, it does. It sucks it, terribly. It follows you and it's horrible. And forget those mean girls. I know. Dude. I'm definitely in a, a different headspace now about it. But back then it was definitely traumatizing and overwhelming and just so hurtful because I felt like no one, I felt like no one liked me. Yeah. I felt like there was really nothing about me to like. Yeah. And you know what? Good for you for finding your way out of that headspace because sometimes people just set up camp and live there and I'm so proud of you for being like nope 
Yeah, thank you. I think it definitely took a while, but I'm so glad that I'm there. Also, how you said um, you weren't diagnosed. I think that speaks to... There are so many people out there who struggle with something like this, but never put a name to it either. So I definitely know that you aren't alone in that. Um, And the last thing too... I, um, when people would call attention to you not eating, it's, I don't, how did that feel? Because when I was in similar situations and someone would be like, yeah, Alexa, did you eat? Or Alexa, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I would just like strike with panic. Like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> does that sound like something that happened with you when someone called you out? Or what was that experience like for you? So I think it depended who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was my friends, I think a lot of times I would kind of just like laugh it off and be like, oh yeah. Or like I was the, I would call myself the like infamous snacker, right? Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. eat lunch at lunch, but I would go like, we could go to the vending machines or whatever. And so I feel like mm-hmm. I would always get like a pack of crackers or like a little bag of popcorn. And then I would like take, you know, a bite or two. And then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so full. Like I ate such a big breakfast and a snack and now I'm just so full. But I also felt exposed, like, mm-hmm. oh, are people watching me? Like, it's worse than what I think. Like, not only do they dislike things about me, now they're also watching me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's, like, even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if it was my family, I would definitely get way more defensive. Um mm-hmm. I would be like, I did eat. Like, you just didn't see me eat. Like, why do you care? Leave me alone. Um, I never really wanted to go there with them, even though I know that they knew it was a problem. Um, tell me a little bit about, so how did you realize you had an issue or what did that look like for you? I think that was also something that happened fairly abruptly for me. I mean, it took some time for sure, because I remember, I want to say I was around like an average size or what someone would call an average size, right? Whatever that means. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a seven, um, you know, an eight, something like that. And um, I remember that all my friends were skinnier. And so like, I had like a goal in mind that I wanted to be like a zero or a two, and mm-hmm. I got down to a three and I remember we had to keep going, we kept going clothes shopping and my mom would be like, I don't understand like what's going on. Like, why is, why do we have to keep going clothes shopping? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I was in the changing room or at home. I can't remember. And I <clears throat> went to put on a pair of jeans and they like slid off of me and I looked in the mirror and I didn't see what I had been seeing before. Like I could see a skinny girl mm-hmm. and everyone, everyone that was close to me in my life was saying things like, you know, are you sure you're okay? Are you sure you're okay? Like, and just making more comments about, you know, I haven't really seen you eating. And so I think it was a buildup of people saying things and also mm-hmm. having that one moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I actually am skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you had that feeling, you're like, oh, I am skinny. Like, can you, so 
did you feel like I finally hit my goal or were you like, oh, maybe, oh, crap? Like, what was that feeling like? Can you remember that? I know it was a long time ago. I think it was like, oh, crap. (laughs) I think it was like, um, it was, I guess there was probably a mixture of things. I think that there probably (laughs) was some contentment with like, okay, like I am skinny. But what mm-hmm. I knew, I think the oh crap moment came from like, I knew mentally I wasn't feeling good. Like not only was mm-hmm. it physical, it was also mental. It was anxiety from like, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? Um, and from feeling so disconnected, I was definitely depressed too. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a combination of all those things. It was like a lot of emotions at once and like everything maybe like boiled over, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a breaking point. It sounds like you're like, yep. Yeah, and actually now that I'm talking about it, I think that was also around the time where my mom and dad had had a a sit-down conversation with me um, about my eating. And one of the things that they had said was like, if you don't start eating, we're going to have to take you to the hospital. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to the hospital, right? Like there's not that big of an issue that I need to go to the hospital. Um. And then they like kind of sat down these papers that talked about the hospital. And I remember um, now I think if my resources prove me correct, that it would be like the Renfrew Center. Um, But -hmm. it was like a hospital in in Philadelphia. And now Mm -hmm. I know later that my mom and dad like went to the pediatrician's office to like talk about what was going on with me. And he had Mm -hmm. given them those papers. And I think that was also around the time that we went shopping. Okay. So build up, (laughs) I was, Mm -hmm. I had exploded and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was scared. Yeah. And it's like, I'm no longer in control. Right. (laughs) Like what is going on like this? And it's scary. Um, And you're just like, how did I get here? Because as you're like, you made a few comments and like, we talked about bullying and like, that's kind of a thing that happens. And then, like, comparing yourself to your friends and comparison actually to anyone, honestly. Right. To um, anyone. To, yeah, to anyone, honestly. And then wanting to lose weight and be viewed as skinny. Um, those are all things that are normalized, that are normal. Like, no one would throw a red flag at that. Like, that's okay. But what you're saying and what your men- your mindset was, your mental space, it's like that totally isn't okay. What was going on, you were really hurting. Right. And I hope from all the episodes that people have a, like a come to Jesus moment too and they're like, oh, I'm not okay. Or maybe I shouldn't let these things be normalized in my life because they are hurtful and they do support. Right. They support things that hurt people and it's not cool for lack of better words. Well, right. For that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like normalized and accepted mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Like some of the things that we are socially acceptable of in our society is just not okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the way um, 
we eat, the way we talk about our bodies, the way we talk about working out are definitely one of them. Um, So what would you think or what would you say was the hardest part about your eating disorder? I think that looking back on it, so I also do want to say, like, as I'm sitting here, (laughs) I'm sitting outside and I'm talking on, you know, the phone and my hand is shaking so badly, um, just talking about these things that I keep having to like hold my, my one hand with my other hand to like support it. So I stopped shaking. Yeah. And I haven't talked about this in a long time and it's just so interesting to me, the effect that, you know, it's very freeing to talk about it, but it's also like thing, one of my coping mechanisms for this, I think has been some repression right? Like get it out Mm -hmm. of here. It's too much to handle. And so yeah, as I'm talking about it, I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is so freeing. This is so awesome. Like I'm so happy I'm being vulnerable. And I'm also like, and why do I still feel scared? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like what you're saying, I can relate to so much. Um, Because when you're, so there's a lot of things I can't remember. Like, as you're walking through, like, how you realize this is an issue, like, it really takes me a long time to figure out, okay, what happened that day? What was I feeling like? Like, those questions, it takes me a while to get in that mind space. And I don't visit that mind space often because it's a scary place I don't want to get stuck in. Right. So, like, you saying that it's hard for you, um, I can relate to that. So thank you, and I hope you feel free, and thank you for mm-hmm. going to that place for the um, interview, and people, I know people will be able to relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, um, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but I'm a, a therapist, and so, you know, consistently in my work, I am trying to help people, you know, push outside that bubble and, like, get outside your comfort zone, and so I felt really compelled and excited to, like, do this and have this, like, you know, vulnerability interview about this, but it's just so interesting how things, different words and different spaces and different environments like trigger things in you that you didn't even remember were there until you got the trigger. Yeah. It's insane. That's insane. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that, but I forget what you asked me. (laughs) Oh, no, that's okay. Um, It kind of answered the question actually. But it was um, the hardest part about the disorder. Oh, yeah. So definitely all of that, too. Like, not wanting to be vulnerable in those moments. It's, I think the disconnection was one of the hardest things. Like, feeling so disconnected from people. Like, I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I had anyone there or anyone that cared or anyone that was listening. But it's so interesting to look at that back, you know, look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty. And there were so many people around me that were trying to care for me and I wasn't letting them in. Yeah. So I think that one of the hardest parts was maybe breaking down those walls to talk about it. And I think another part of it was just feeling so alone, feeling like I was by myself. Yeah. Um, I feel like the feeling alone part And then once you start to talk about it, you're like, wow, I'm really not. But like you said, hindsight is 2020 and that could not be a more true statement. 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting looking back on things now and having a different perception of what was going on or being able to see both sides, I guess. Like like I said earlier, not condoning bullying, but you know, now maybe just having more insight as to maybe they were doing that for their own insecurities or maybe that was something that was happening like in the household to them. So that's mm-hmm. also an interesting piece of this journey, I'd say. You mentioned um, like your family and they mentioned friends and then the, you also just mentioned support. So can you just talk a little bit more about who those people are and how they helped you along this journey? Yeah. So again, hindsight is 2020, right? Um, my mom, of course, was like an extremely instrumental part. She was always very supportive of me. She didn't understand I don't think like I think she had an inkling she knew that I was bullied we talk about it sometimes um but I don't Mm -hmm. think she had an inkling like or the full understanding of like where that took me to mentally um but she was always there to support me she was always there to make sure that I was feeling loved you know I still will like go to my mom and like sit on her lap (laughs) you know comforting I love it um Mm -hmm. and then my friends for sure. Like, I think your friends always bring out the best in you. And so they're able to see the things that sometimes you can't see about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that was always really powerful. Um, and in adulthood, because I think that having an eating disorder impacts your whole life. Um, even after it's like over or you're in recovery, my husband, Mm -hmm. um, because he always makes me feel beautiful, like no matter what, you know, like, (laughs) Oh, I so, love it. yeah, he always tells me how beautiful I am. And when he says it, I believe him. There was a lot of times in my life where someone would say something like that and I didn't believe them. Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful for him. I'm thankful for those people, too. You go mom and husband and friends. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't do it without them. And And, and it's so good to know that even in moments in my life where I didn't feel connected, that those connections were still there and they were still looking out for me. So has your um, eating disorder changed the way or the way you look at beauty or your definition of beauty? Absolutely. I think when I was younger, I definitely think it had to do with like how your hair was done and what you were wearing and, you know, what size you were. Size was something that I was very probably obsessed with, right? Mm -hmm. What size I had to be. And I always think that my current definition of beauty was always a part of me, just maybe because of my personality or because of what I was destined to do. But now to me, like kindness is beautiful. Um, I love that. I I think I realized that like going through the bullying, like I don't want to be like those people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to have a moment like that. And that's not to say that I haven't, because unfortunately, you know, we all make mistakes. But I think that genuinely, I've always tried to see the goodness and the kindness in people. And that's what attracts me to them. It's not their physical beauty that attracts me to people, whether that's friendships or romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, <laughs> it's great to think about attraction, but, you know, kindness is what's beautiful. I love that. And I love kindness. I love that definition. I love your definition. Yes. I want to throw kindness around like confetti. You know, that's definitely my thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, 
in size, numbers, weight, like all those things, sometimes I can still get obsessed with it. And I've been in recovery for, for a very long time now. And I, it's still very, like, I, it's so easy to slip and get obsessed with that stuff. Um, yeah. And it's you- interesting being a mom too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my, uh, both my girls, I have two girls or two daughters. And so I have a lot of, um, feelings around things. Like I notice certain triggers sometimes too, like, and this is something that I need to work through, but it's like a trigger to my eating, right? Like we're sizing up or we're going to the doctor to get weighed and things come up for me. Um, and I think I heard you talk about this on one of the interviews, like that you're going to be like, listen, we're not going to talk about weight. Like let's have a conversation, just me and you. Cause I never want my girls to ever feel belittled or less than based on something physical about them. Oh, preach. Yes. Because <laughs> yes, I a hundred percent feel you on that because I feel like since we're so aware of how those things made us feel, we are like warriors. Like you will not put my children in this situation. Right. <laughs> like, You'll never like, make them feel that way ever. Yeah. I, yeah. Being a mom, it takes it to a whole nother level. Like, I feel like I use the word warrior on purpose because that's how I feel. Like, you will <laughs> Put not. on your war paint, right? <laughs> yeah. Get the war paint out <laughs> because you will not. Mm-mm, nope. Not our daughters. That's for sure. We'll exactly. do everything we can. Exactly. I, I often also think, like, what will happen when the bullying conversation happens? Because I don't know. I might be that mom that's like, that's it. I'm calling their parents. Like, I'm going to tell them. <laughs> this is what happened and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> oh, girl, I'm getting like sweaty just even thinking about it. <laughs> I know yes. it's a lot to think about. Oh yeah. Cause you're like, you're not going to hurt our babies. That's for sure. No. So um, check yourself before you wreck yourself because you don't want this problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so what do you think your eating disorder taught you or did it teach you anything? Yeah, it's definitely taught me things. I think it took a long time, kind of like I alluded to earlier, but I, I think I have done much better with like trying not to care what people think and like valuing what makes me happy and not what's going to make other people happy because they don't have to live my life. I do. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna clap for that one because, <laughs> um, right, exactly. Like you have to live your life. We have to live. Like we're stuck in our we're stuck in our bodies, and we have to live the life we got. So why should we even care? You know, that's so hard. I mean, that's so easy to say. It's so hard to do. Yeah, it really is. And I think too, just like I learned, I learned about struggle from my eating disorder, but I'm not mad at that anymore because it did help me grow. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. I think like when I think about my eating disorder, like it, like the struggle, the pain, like those things, I don't know if I would have learned without it. Right. That struggle makes you relatable to other people's struggle. Like, you don't know, you might not know what it's like to, I don't know, go through something else that's horrible, but you could, you can relate to that type of pain. 
Right. And I think that it has helped me to be more empathetic than maybe what I already was, um, like set to be, you know, like Mm -hmm. from the beginning, from creation, like who I was meant to be. I think it like emphasized that quality. I love it. I love that. So if you could talk to your eating disorder, what would you say? Because it sounds like you might have had different feelings because you're like, I'm not mad at that anymore. Like, I'm not mad about that struggle anymore. Yeah. Like, has what you would have said changed or what would you say today to it? Yeah. So when I first heard you ask someone that question on the podcast (laughs) I was driving in the car listening to the podcast and I was like kiss my ass is what I would say (laughs) and then I was like okay okay what would I really say because I don't know that I would say that to like anyone not even Ed and um I think I would be it would be something along the lines of like you know I appreciate that you taught me things. I really do. But I wish we didn't have to go to the dark places. Maybe not all the dark places that we had to go to. Um, But I think a lot of it would be like gratitude and thankfulness now. But like I said, my initial reaction was like, kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Because that's real. Well, and I, I, I have to laugh too, because I said it out loud as I was driving. Like, it wasn't just like a mental thing that I said. I was like, I'd say kiss my ass. just like so genuine and like exactly what you wanted to say right I was like oh that came out really naturally yeah and embrace that because that's real like yeah thank you but honestly kiss my ass right forget forget you you gotta go um so you said that you are a therapist Mm -hmm. um so you probably all know about, you, you know all about this. You know all about self-love and self-care. But how do you practice those things? So most recently, it's been by um, actually the pandemic. I can be thankful for the pandemic because somehow the pandemic taught me how to set better boundaries with people, um, how to say no, how to take care of myself when I need to and not feel obligated to do certain things. So definitely setting boundaries is one of my biggest self-love things right now um and also just learning to relax like I have struggled with relaxing my entire life I'm not good at just like sitting and doing nothing um Mm -hmm. I need something to I don't know like I I get up and clean in the middle of movies you know like I yeah I'm like oh my gosh I've got to turn the light off upstairs and like go upstairs and like I just can never sit So I have also been working on that and that has been really helpful. I like put my phone away. I like try and get everything I need to get done, like during the day done. So then when it hits a certain time, you know, when it's like bath time, bedtime, it's time to sit Mm -hmm. and like do nothing, (laughs) wear my comfy clothes, wear my pajamas and just hang out. Yes. I value that so much now. And I used to not, I can, the pandemic, I I think it did that to me too, because it before was like, go, 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 go. And that's what I valued. And now I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible. Right. It's like, I I could be cool just sitting. I could do that. Yes. And I heard this, I was listening to another podcast 
and it said something like, your brain needs quiet. Like, it cannot always be on go. Like, because we do, we start to feel, um, like, unproductive if we just sit there. But that quietness is something our brain craves to, like, restart. Right. Um, like, the podcast I listened to every what it was. But it would challenge you just to, like, when you were in line at the grocery store to just not look at your phone, just sit there. Yep. Just stand. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I never realized that was important. But it makes sense now. Like, it makes sense. Absolutely. It does. And I think that I have definitely even been doing things like that. Like, when I'm waiting at the doctor's office or, I don't know, when I'm just, like, going somewhere that does require waiting, I've been leaving my phone in my purse. And... It's interesting because I've had really interesting conversations with people too. Like, you know, not just, Hey, how's the weather? Like actually had a conversation with someone in person versus just sitting there, like staring at my phone. So I guess that's another way that I'm feeling connected to people now. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really, really cool. My 10 year old doesn't like it, but I say hi to everybody. Like I'm always like, hi, with like a big smile on my face. And she's like, you don't know any of those people. Like <laughs> she's like, stranger danger. And I'm like, okay, yes, I appreciate that. Always stranger danger. Be careful. And right. like, did you know, I don't know what the exact like study says, but it says something like, um, something to the effect of, you know, people saying hi with a smile on their face can improve someone's day by like a lot. Right. Like. You don't know what yeah. people are going through. You don't know what's going on in their head. And just that smile might be what they needed that day. So I was like, so I, that's why I do it. <laughs> she was like, right. She was like, oh, I guess that's kind of cool, but stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's so cool. I love that. And I also love that you mentioned boundaries too, because that's something that we don't automatically think that is self-care. We usually think like meditation and bubble baths and like, um, things to do like physically but like boundaries they're like things you create that are invisible but they are so valuable yeah and they show how much you love yourself oh yes I love that I never made that connection before but I'm happy you just said that because it makes me want to create even more boundaries (laughs) yeah yeah it's a good thing for sure Um, so tell me about a time you felt beautiful. So I definitely felt beautiful at my wedding. Um, I felt like a, like a Barbie princess, which was exactly what I was going for. And I remember what Rob's face looked like. And probably, I probably was like, well, I know on the video I'm cheesing from ear to ear, but it felt like I had like the most gigantic grin on my face. And it was such a genuine grin because I felt breathtakingly beautiful and I got to celebrate, you know, with my family and my friends and, you know, marry the person that I love. And that was all exciting. But then I was also thinking about, I felt really beautiful, like post-birth. And I don't think most moms maybe feel beautiful post-birth. I don't know. Um, But I felt really beautiful, like, and my mood was so happy I think on both of those occasions that that also helped me to feel beautiful it wasn't you know obviously what I was wearing because in one scenario I'm wearing a beautiful wedding gown and in the other scenario I'm wearing a (laughs) hospital gown um right (laughs) but I think it was about the joy that I felt and like not only was it what I looked like it was I felt good yeah 
Oh, like hearing you talk about those two things made me smile ear to ear. Like that's beautiful. And I could hear the love in your voice as you're describing those two events. Yeah, they were definitely good ones. I would say I hope everyone feels beautiful all the time, but definitely find those moments where you feel beautiful and hold on to them because they do bring me joy in moments that aren't always joyful. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to have to ask myself that question and answer that another day because I don't, I ask these questions, but I don't know if I ever answer them. (laughs) So that's kind of being a hypocrite. So I'm going to have to do something about that. We can definitely chat. Um, I'll walk you through your questions if you want. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I'm like, Hmm, I should hold on to those moments. What are they? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Um, so thanks for inspiring me to do that. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'll take you up on that offer (laughs) (laughs) to ask me the questions. Um, okay. This is it. This is your mic drop moment. Okay. Um, so what do you want people to remember about your story or interview today? So my hope would be that people take away from this, that it is healing and connecting to be vulnerable. So as I said earlier, like (laughs) I'm shaking, like I'm still shaking, but my voice doesn't sound quite as shaky anymore. Um, But it was such an empowering moment to be able to be vulnerable. And not only just in this like context, I guess, like not only for like an interview Mm -hmm. for a podcast or whatever, but being vulnerable in your relationships help you to have deeper connections. And I've learned that, you know, like in order to have my connections, I have to reach out. I have to be vulnerable. And I want the people in my life to do that with me too. Um, And I also think you just have to throw it out there one more time. You know, kindness is beautiful. Please be kind to one another. Treat other people how you want to be treated. And remember what it was like when you might have had that bullying moment and trying not to pass that on to someone else. Yes. Yeah, because I feel like people are so quick to lose their cool. And I don't know. I can't relate to other people. Like, I don't know what other people think in their head. But in my head, when I lose my cool over something stupid, I'm like, man, why did I do that? So to what you said, don't put that on other people. Right. Like, you know how bad that feels. Like, just take a breath instead. Like, don't be a bully. Like, if you're dealing with something or why we're, you're being a bully, I don't know that answer. It's for you to know and me to hopefully never find right. out. <laughs> but um, don't pass that, pass that on. Pass the kindness on. Right. Throw that, throw that pass. stuff like confetti. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I love talking to you and I loved hearing your story. I appreciate you so very much. Yes. Thank you for letting me share. Girl, anytime. Well, peace with peace, peeps. Um, it's a wrap for this episode. And this is the last one for the um, eating disorder awareness series. But if you want to share your story and it, whatever it is, just because it's not the month that's raising awareness of it, you can still talk about it. It is what it is. I want to hear your story no matter what it entails. So reach out to me on Peace with Peace through Facebook. Peace as in like a slice of pizza. Peace with peace as in peace, love, and happiness. So peace with peace um, on Facebook or Instagram. So thanks for listening and bye, peace. Bye.